0: Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive, dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth-yet-spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life. And look for the Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. Well, you know, it's uh, a very popular phrase among Christians and churchgoers is what? Merry Christmas, right? Um, and also, another popular phrase that we like to say is Jesus is the reason for the season. You ever heard that one, right? How true is it, right? Jesus is the reason for the season. But I want to tell you there's controversy, as you well know. In this phrase, Merry Christmas. We kind of talked about this a little bit last week. And um, actually, to me, again, I was prefacing this by saying, you know, I'm a very positive person. And, you know, I don't find anything wrong with saying season's greetings or happy holidays, because I do greet you this season. And these holidays are happy holidays. So it's not that there's something wrong with saying those phrases but where we find ourselves short is when we exclude the term Merry Christmas because it has Christ in it. See, the only reason why it's happy holidays and the only reason why I greet you with happiness this season is because Christ came, and not just came to be born, but he came to give his life years later on a cross. So when I say happy holidays, there's something behind it, even though people don't realize it. I'm going to say season's greetings instead of Merry Christmas. Well, the reason why you get to say that is because Christ came to give his life. So say it. You see? Say it. Go ahead and say it. I'm going to say Merry Christmas. And I don't care what you say, but I'm going to say Merry Christmas. You know, they, they convey a, a true sentiment, these, these sayings. But... I was doing some research, and according to this Rousman report, this this report that this person put out, there was a national telephone survey back in uh, 2011. And do you realize that this survey showed that 70% of American adults like it when stores use signs that say, Merry Christmas? They don't mind it saying, in fact, they would prefer it to say, Merry Christmas. Now, these were 70% of Americans. This is not 70% of Christians not 70% of churchgoers. These are just people on the street. They like it when we say Merry Christmas. Many a school choir, concerts. You'll hear the songs Winter Wonderland, but you'll also hear Joy to the World. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. We sing it. We sing it. And so people don't mind that. And whether we realize it or not, the world longs for the love of Christ. Whether we realize it or not, the world, the world, people gathered together collectively long, even when we don't know it, even when they don't know it, they long for the love of Christ. And so there's a reason that we call this time the most wonderful time of the year. You know, it's estimated that people will spend about six hundred and two billion dollars during the christmas season 602 billion dollars on what on gifts because that's the way we show our love or we think we need to show our love for each other we spend so much money merchandise you know we're all occupied our minds are occupied we're excited we're busy there's hustle and bustle both physically and mentally but there is one truth and that is that this, folks, is a moment in time. It's a moment in time. I know that it comes every year and there's great anticipation for Christmas every year. Yet, Christmas Day comes to an end. Come on. And when it does, many are feeling lonely. They're feeling or they're, they're left with, uh, there's still a longing. There's still in something that's unfulfilled. Now what? I have to wait till next Christmas again to get filled but Jesus wants us to know that he is the bread of life and you don't have to wait till next Christmas to get filled in fact you don't even have to wait until this Christmas to get filled he is the bread of life in another survey nearly a third of those that were questioned in this survey stated that of all the persons mentioned in the Christmas story Anybody familiar with the nativity scene, right? Baby Jesus, Mary, Joseph, who's there? The wise men, even though they weren't there, they're in the nativity scene, that's okay. I'm positive. And uh, the shepherds, right? The shepherds are there. Uh, in the, in these, these, these folks that were questioned about this, they say that they most identify with the shepherds in this story. You ever thought about that? I mean, I, I thought, you know, who, who do I identify with? Jesus, of course, he is God. God in the flesh. I I, I long to identify with him. Mary, I mean, who is a virgin other than her that gives birth? None that we know of, none documented. Come on. Joseph, boy, that's something. Uh, Never been through what he's been through. The wise men, well, I'd like to be a wise man, but, uh, you know, it's hard to identify with them. But the shepherds, the shepherds were regular people working a regular job doing ordinary things and all of a sudden in the middle of their ordinary life doing their ordinary job an angel the angel of God busted into their life and invited them to come see him in the middle of their ordinary life doing ordinary things I don't know about you but I consider myself at most Probably an ordinary person. I've done some extraordinary things, as you have in your life. But all things being equal, we do what we do. We wake up, we eat, go to work maybe, for some of us. Uh, You know, talk to family, eat again, watch TV, eat again. A lot of eating in there. And go to sleep. We We do ordinary things. But Jesus is now, at this time of year, at this moment in time, this is the day that the Lord has made right here, right now, is saying to you, I invite you to come see me. I am inviting you to come see me. Why? Because I have what you need. I have what you need. John chapter 6, I'm going to start today at verse 32, just go through verse 35. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. And it says this in verse 32. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He. It's He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread. Always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. Now, just as a reminder for all of those who are on keto or Atkins diet or high protein, low carb diet, I get it. Uh, But just remember this that in ancient Uh, Israeli times and ancient church times, when they said, let's come together and have bread, they were even more so talking about, we're going to share a meal together. That represented really their whole meal. They were talking about bread, yes, but it often meant we're simply coming together to have a meal together. In fact, we use that phrase today, let's break bread, let's get together, break bread together. It means let's just have a meal together together. Let's get what sustains us. So when we talk about the bread of life, we're talking about necessary food. Come on. And that expression and the expression of that eternal necessary food was provided for us when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the house of bread. Beth, Hebrew word for house. Lehim, Hebrew word for bread. The house of of bread. Jesus, the bread of life, was born unto us. Born unto us. About nine in ten Americans and nearly all Christians, it's a shame to say nearly all Christians, but nearly all Christians say that they celebrate Christmas. I can't imagine a Christian not celebrating Christmas, but that's what the stats say. Surprisingly, a big majority of non-Christians in the US also celebrate Christmas. That includes about 80 to 90% of people who say they have no religion, but they still come together at Christmas time to acknowledge it. Even kids have an idea uh, where Christmas came from, despite our best efforts to uh, get them from the original theme by having them wake up early in the morning to get all the gifts that they can get. Come on. Despite our best efforts, they know in their heart where Christmas comes from. They know where it comes from. And so there's a longing, there's a longing, and there's a gap between where folks are and their understanding of Christmas and getting to sup on that bread of life on a daily basis. I came across a story that said, this guy Jim, he was leaving church after Christmas services when the pastor greeted him and said, Jim, it's time you joined the army of the Lord. We need to see you every Sunday. He said, I'm already in the army of the Lord, pastor. And then the pastor said, well, then why do we only see you on Christmas and Easter? Jim looked to the left and to the right, and he leaned over to the pastor, and he whispered, I'm in the secret service. Come on. (laughs) Come on, some of us are in the secret service. (laughs) But you know what? God doesn't have a secret service. Nothing secret about God. God doesn't need a secret service. Come on. He doesn't need a secret service. He needs you present and here every day. Jesus said, I am, I am. Seven times in the Gospel of John, he said, I am, beginning with this, I am the bread of life. I am what you need. Why do you look so many other places? Why do you look for satisfaction in other people and relationships when you should come to me first? Come to me first. And I'll tell you how those relationships should go. Why do you look for financial security and so many other things when my word tells you how to lay it all out? If you would speak my word, I'll show you everything that you need. I am the bread of life. I am your sustainer. I am everything you need. Why? Because I created you that way. I didn't create you and then discover what you need. I created you to need me. That's what we have to understand. God created us to need him. Job said this in in chapter 23, verse 12. He says, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. More than my necessary food. Job knew what was up. Job understood. Listen, out of all of this. I need the Lord. He is my sustainer. He is my prosperity. Come on. He is my healing. He is my source. He is is my overcomer and my overcoming. In him, in him do I move and have my being. Come on. He understood God's word is the bread of life and Jesus is that word. So there's three things I want you to understand about Christmas and the Christmas story. The first thing is that we have to seek revelation more than information. Here's what I mean by that. It's certain, it's certain that we need information. Certain that we need information. In fact, you know, I've often said and I've often thought, uh, you know, Lord, you have called me to this pastoring and also preaching, if you want to call it that. And uh, we're never supposed to compare ourselves, but when You know, you look at others, you see that some preach a little bit more, some teach a little bit more, and I probably would fall on the side of teaching a little bit, and uh, it's probably because what I enjoy the most, because I, I love preaching, I do, but I know that preaching is inspirational, and teaching is informational, and we need them both. We need to be inspired, but we also need the information, folks. We need the information. Come on. We know it. We need it. But here's what happens is sometimes we get caught up in our mind with the information and we get so caught up in that that we don't understand in order to interpret that information. You need revelation because you can't interpret it by yourself because the letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life spirit of God gives us life. And so you're never going to open a Bible and argue with someone that doesn't have the Spirit and be able to tell them everything that God wants them to know. Come on. Because God has to open their ears. All you can do is give them the information. They need to get the revelation. And that's up to Jesus to reveal himself to them. Likewise, you are the same way. Don't just think you can just read your Bible, check it off a list and say, I've read my Bible and now I'm righteous. You must seek revelation you must seek a rhema word jesus is the bread of life but he is rhema bread for us he's more than just physical bread he is rhema bread for us he is everything that we need in verse 49 of that chapter 6 it says your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead This is the bread, talking about himself, which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give, here we go, a hard saying, folks. The bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. He goes on to say down in verse 57, as the living father sent me and I live because of the father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. He goes on to say that from time, uh, from that time, many of his disciples walked away from him, walked away from him and they served him no more. Jesus looked to the 12 and said, will you walk away also? He's saying that to you this morning. Will you walk away also? Many have turned their back on me. Will you walk away also? Will you walk away? Or will you be like Peter and say, Lord, where will we go? You have the words of life. Even if I don't understand them, you have the words of life. Your word is true. It doesn't take me understanding it for it to be true. And that's the mistake, I think, that so many scientists and atheists make when they try to make the argument for there being no God. They think that I have to understand it for it to be true. But I'm going to tell you that's a light whether you understand it is or not. I don't know how it works. I don't know the gases uh, that work together in the light, but I can tell you this, it's a light. Whether I believe it or not, that's the way God. He just is. He just is. Whether you believe it or not. He's just simply God. And so where will you go? Lord, where will I go? You have the words of life. I don't understand everything. I don't know what you mean when you say eat my flesh. But whatever that is, I want to find out what you want me to do. And I'll do that because you are the bread of life. You are the bread of life. He is our provision. He's our provision. The second thing you need to understand is the provision preceded your need. Come on, the provision for what you need preceded your need. Come on, this is all, this is all connected. Back in the, the first chapter, in the first verse of this book, The Bible says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Revelation, the Bible says that Jesus is going to come back on a white horse, and he who sat on the white horse was called Faithful and True. Watch this now. And in righteousness, this is chapter 19, verse 11, in case you need it. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. Watch it. It says his eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a white robe dipped in blood. How's it a white robe if it was dipped in blood? Come on now. And his name was called the Word of God. That was his name. The Word of God. I am the living bread. The Word of of god is your living bread that's why i issued that challenge to you last week to read your bible every day i'm not trying to put extra homework on you i know you got enough to do trust me i understand we all got a lot to do and then especially this time of year come on there's even more piled on us a lot of stress a lot of anxiety all of those things i i get it i understand it but i'm gonna tell you this you you got a lot to do today But you better not go without eating unless you're fasting. Come on. At some point, you're going to need to eat. You're going to need to drink some water. At some point. If you continue to go without it, what's going to happen to you at some point? You're going to die. You're going to get weak, and you're going to die. What do you think is going to happen to you spiritually if you don't eat the bread of life? If you don't eat the bread of life. That's why I'm encouraging you. Read your word every day. I like what Pastor Dick Iverson said once said, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he once said, listen, we need to read our Bible every day. He said, listen, you may not be a theologian. You may not be a Bible scholar. You may not have time to read, uh, you know, all of the the chapters of Leviticus. He said, but uh, listen, if you can't do that every day, then some days you get a good meal and you get real good meat. Some days you just go for fast food. So just read a a couple Psalms, read Psalms one, read Psalms two, but read your word every day. Read a proverb every day. Read something, a passage every day that your spirit might not only live, but get stronger and stronger. This is what's going to give you the the spirit. Listen, for the spirit to be able to reveal something to you, the spirit needs something in you to bring to life. If there's nothing in you to bring to life, if he brings something to you, you're not going to understand it anyway because it's not in you. Have something in you that the Spirit can come to you and bring that thing to life. Come on. And in John 1:14, it said, the Word became flesh, we know it, and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, and it was the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we need to understand about this divine provision of this bread, that the bread was preexistent. In the beginning was the word before we even had a need for bread the bread was already there he didn't manufacture. he didn't say "Uh, listen are you hungry let me go make you some bread the bread was already there and then when you got before you knew you were hungry before you knew what hunger was the bread was already there the provision preceded your need he always existed as god the son he always existed so there is divine pre-existence, and then the last thing I want you to understand is the purpose preceded your pursuit before you knew that you were longing for something you were longing, but before you even knew that you were longing for something, the purpose for that was already there. The purpose preceded your pursuit in the coming of the bread, there is a divine. Purpose. There is divine purpose tied to the eternal pre-existence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. This is a reality. And the reality that he came because the Father purposed him to come is one that we have to understand it's not a casual thing. It's tied up in divine planning. It's tied up in divine... It's such, listen, there's such a clear statement. It's repeated again and again, and it's unmistakable. In verse 32, at the end of the verse, it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. This bread came from heaven. He didn't say, what do we got in the kitchen? Let me put something together. What's down here on earth, let me throw it together. And when he did that as manna for the children of Israel, come on, it was a type and shadow of what was to come. I'm not going to put together flour and meal here on earth and give it to you, but it's going to come from heaven. This is bread that came from heaven for us the bread of god is that which comes down out of heaven it is there called the bread of god it is god who sends the bread for us the bread is god's to start with to give and on down in verse 38 i have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me the will of him who sent me this is the will of my father and in verse 57, as the living Father sent me, so you have here divine preexistence and divine purpose. The Father sending the Son. The Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Listen, I want to remind you, I know that it's Christmas time, and our whole focus is on the nativity scene and the manger and the little baby Jesus because we're celebrating his birth and what you do is you, at a birth, you celebrate the baby. But every year that you've been alive, you don't recall the hospital. Come on. You don't recall when you were a baby in your mother's arms every year that you're alive. And we celebrate your birthday, do we? We celebrate you right here and right now. So think about that. This year, we're celebrating Jesus. 2,000 years on the earth from the time he was born until now, but he was preexistent before that. I don't know what birthday this is. I just know he's pretty old. He's pretty old. Come on. He had a lot of birthdays. <laughs> but just year, think about that. And listen, I'm not against that. You, I'm a positive person. So you want to celebrate the baby Jesus? Absolutely. Because we, we remember that day. Yes, if it wasn't for that day. But I just want to remind you, why he was born there is a divine purpose there is a divine purpose for the reason he was born and it was to go to the cross the reason he was born was for the cross but there was a meantime i came that you might have life and have it more abundantly come on now it's not only the coming of the son of god that the father purposed That's kind of a general reality. That is true. It's obvious. It's more than just this general reality that God sent his son, come on, uh, to be born in a manger, a king born in a manger. But he came that we might understand we need to live off of him every single day. We can't take a day off. Your heart doesn't take a day off from beating. I'm tired and I don't feel like beating today. I've been beating for 43 years, every day. Good days and bad days. Days when you treated me right, you went to the gym, you went for a walk, I got a little exercise. Days when you sat around and watched your stories and ate a bunch of non-heart healthy food and clogged up my arteries and my veins, I still beat. Today, I'm tired. I'm not gonna beat. What would happen? Come on. Don't do your spirit like that. I want you to understand this is the reason why we need to read every day. It's not in our spare time. It's not, oh, well, if I get time today, come on. I know that. I'm the same way. I'm talking to myself. don't think I'm just preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. Come on. But it's not, oh, well, you know, I got a lot of stuff to do. I got to take care of this, got to take so-and-so here, I got to make sure that I do that, I got to clean this, got to do laundry, got to do that and do this. And if I get time, then I better go ahead and read something. No, you better go ahead and read. You better put that on your schedule to read some of his word. I mean every single day, folks, every single day. Because one day your heart, your spiritual heart might decide, "I'm, I'm not beaten because you're not feeding me. You're not feeding me the bread of life, and so I'm just gonna stop beating. All this is consistent with Old Testament prophecy. Jesus said it's written in the prophets that they shall be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me, comes to me. Now you're starting to see God's plan. He had this plan from the beginning, from the beginning, over and over. Jesus emphasizes this to us. He says, you gave them to me in his prayer to the Father. You gave them to me. You gave, they were yours, but you gave them to me. How did they become gods? By divine election. He chose you before the foundation of the world. Purpose preexisted your pursuit. When you came to God, he was already waiting. That's why Jesus told the story of the prodigal son. You think it was about the son, don't you? You think it was about that son that was out there in that hog pen. Yeah, partly. But it's to show you that when you came to yourself and said, you know what, I need to go to the Lord. I wonder if he'll accept me. Don't wonder if he'll accept you. He's already there waiting on you. He knows the very moment that you'll come back. I love what Pastor Martin was saying this morning. It doesn't matter what you've been through. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you've done, you can't fix it yourself anyway. You cannot fix it yourself. But here's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to keep you from God. He wants to keep you ashamed. He wants to keep you guilty. Come on. He wants to keep you with your head down. He wants to keep you speaking negatively. You will pass your test, by the way. We're not going to say you might. You will. Come on. Yes, you have. You have. (laughs) The enemy wants to keep your head down. He wants to keep you turned away from God. You know how it is when you've done something wrong. And now you've got to face the music. And that you don't want to talk to that person because you don't know what they're going to say. Help me, help me, help me. What's going to happen? Right, now I've got to face the music. I came to tell you this morning that God is saying, yes, you do have to face the music. But my music is beautiful and sweet what a beautiful name it is it is a wonderful sweet melody harmony come on a symphony of beauty because he gives you beauty for ashes and he says come to me all ye who are weary and heavy laden come to me come to me and i will give you rest I will get, don't let, don't, don't let the enemy get you to thinking that because of what you've done, I won't accept you. Here's what Jesus is saying to you this morning. I've already accepted you. I accepted you before you did what you did. I knew what you were going to do. And I accepted you. My love is set upon you. And though you run from me, I will chase you down like I did Adam and Eve in the garden. Because I know, just like you would your kid, if your kid was running from you, but you had what they needed, you would chase them down and give it to them. God knows what you need. And he's saying, you need me because I am the bread of life. I am it. I am the bread of life. It is me. It is me. We need to understand then that this bread is divinely preexistent and it fulfills a divine purpose, and we can't do without it. So as we celebrate the Christmas season this year, as we we buy gifts, do all of that, do all of it. As we buy gifts and we go shopping and we sing Christmas carols and uh, all the stuff that we do, do all of that. But let us remember in all of this that it's about the bread of life. Not just a baby Jesus, but it's about the bread of life.